Do you want control over your time and financial future? Are you building wealth for retirement and a legacy for your family? Of course you are, or you wouldn't be here listening to Breakaway Wealth. My name is Kim Daly, and I'm a top-performing franchise consultant. For a limited time, I am making my brand new Creating Wealth Through Franchise Ownership webinar available to you for free. Most people don't consider franchising as a wealth-building vehicle, but if you give me 30 minutes, I will show you how you can mitigate the risks of starting a business, leveraging proven tools as the CEO who works on rather than in the business to build and scale wealth quickly. Register for my free webinar right now at thedailycoach.com. That's the D-A-L-Y coach.com. See you there. You're listening to Breakaway Wealth, the show designed to help you build wealth faster, think bigger, and break out of the herd. Now, here's your host, Jim Oliver. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver. And with me today is my host that I'm really excited to talk to, Cole Shepard. Cole, welcome. Thank you, Jim. Great to be here. You know, Cole, I'd like to start off, just let you introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about you, what you're doing, and then we'll kind of get into how you started doing what you're doing and in your journey and how you, you know, the, the, the podcast is Breakaway Wealth. And uh, after reading about you and your company and what you do, you definitely have broken away from the herd and the rat race. And so we'll talk about that second. Sure. Sounds good, Jim. So I'm a partner in an asset management firm called Legacy Group. Uh, we operate out of Medellin, Colombia, really focused on high net worth U.S. wealth, uh, deploying capital down here in Colombia. So I'm the founder and board member of Green Coffee Company, uh, which is the largest coffee producer in Colombia. And for viewers who don't know, uh, the national product of the country is coffee. So we are a major player in the, in the country. Uh, and basically what we focus on is just alternative investments, only alternatives, very small portfolio of companies. We do heavy bets on companies that we think have the most ability to make exceptional returns and basically are worth our time to do. Uh, and we look for unique opportunities. And that's why we're down here in Colombia, where we have very little competition. That's that's awesome. Well, one thing is I take coffee very seriously. So uh, <laughs> uh, I to the point where I have to have the, the right coffee maker, the right beans. I mean, beans are everything, right? But you can have the oh, right yeah. coffee maker too. You can't use like, no offense, Cuisinart, but you can't use a Cuisinart with great beans and expect to have great coffee. Uh, in my opinion, the Jura Capresso is the... Uh, that's that's how you get the best coffee. There are other ways. I mean, a lot of simple ways, cheap ways to uh, do, um, you know, pour overs or whatever it is. But I mean, and that makes great coffee, too. But if you want automatic um, and I'm not getting paid to endorse the Jura, <laughs> don't don't get mad at me when you see the price of it. But uh, but it's worth it. Oh, I agree. Hey, Jim, I'm going to jump in for one second. That Jura is what we use in our corporate offices. So also really? I'm not okay. getting paid. All right. All right. We, we use my... the, we, we have the giant corporate machine, you know, we're, we're the largest player in Colombia, and we, I'm also not getting paid to say Jura is great, but I'm telling you for an all inclusive coffee machine, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. So I, I went to, uh, I went to this uh, Ritz residence kind of open house trailer and the mm -hmm. lady said, um, would you like a, a cup of the world's best coffee? 
And I said, well, um, tell me how you're making it and I'll, uh, and I'll tell you whether I want it. She goes, we have this machine. It's incredible. And I said, what is it? She said, it's a Jura. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll take a cup of that. So, uh, so I think once you have, it's kind of uh, a luxury once enjoyed becomes a necessity. And once you have that machine, you don't go back. Right. I mean, it's, that's it, right. It makes great coffee. All right. Enough about how to make coffee. <laughs> How about investing in coffee? I mean, before we get into that, Cole, mm -hmm. how did you tell me about your path, your journey? Where'd you grow up? Sure. I mean, like, how did how did you get into Columbia and in in owning a coffee company? Absolutely. So, born in New York, spent most of my life in North Carolina. You know, I went to an undergrad NC State, graduate school NC NC State, masters in accounting and finance. Started with Price Waterhouse Coopers out of school. You know, I spent about two years in the Raleigh Durham office with Price Waterhouse. You know, right next door to NC State. Uh, my focus was primarily biotech and really in venture capital. That you know, RTP area in North Carolina, really heavy on biotech, really heavy on or heavy on venture capital. Uh, when I was 25, I took an overseas assignment in Bermuda. Concentrate purely on financial services. You know, then I got heavy into banking, private equity, hedge funds, trust companies. Uh, and when I was about 28, I moved to Hong Kong. And so then my focus became only financial services and only mergers and acquisitions. So we are a regional office. We covered everything in the APAC region. Only offices based on our team for financial services was Hong Kong, London, New York. Uh, and anything that wasn't covered by London or New York, covered by us. Right. So a lot of deal flow all over the world, you know, into the billions of U.S. dollars. You know, I was moving up within the firm, kind of to the age when you have to decide whether to become a partner or whether you need to go out and do something new. You know, I was 31 at the time, you know, aggressive, looking to do entrepreneurship, you know, activities, willing to take risk and frankly, willing to bet all of my own money. You know, there's a there's a limit to what you can do with that within the largest professional services firm in the world. You know, their their appetite for risk might be a little less than than my own, especially with my own capital. Um, so what I found is I was starting to do interviews with some of the partnership group in different areas of the world, primarily Southeast Asia and Latin America. I came down to Colombia after talking with one of the partners in Bogota. My brother got married in Cartagena, which is a great city on the coast. And I started doing my own diligence and said to myself, basically, after I was doing the diligence, came down to Medellin, researched a little bit in Bogota. I thought the country had potential. You know, there was FX arbitrage at the time with the U.S. dollar. Uh, banking was very, like, very lowly penetrated. And I thought at the time that I could find arbitrage in real estate. So when I went back to Hong Kong, I said, you know, one of the things I've always told myself when I was younger is if I ever had a bet or something I thought I could invest in myself and bet all of my money, uh, that I'd always regret it if I didn't do it. And that's not me telling other people. That's me having a conversation with myself. Um, and so when I came back from Columbia, I thought I had something. I thought I, I could find arbitrage and I thought there was opportunity there. And frankly, I had a little bit of cash saved up from working until that time. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids at the time. Um, so I made a big bet, liquidated all the 401ks, all the IRAs, all investment accounts, and bet it all starting up businesses in South America. You know, I came down to Medellin, uh, learned Spanish while I was in Medellin. Honestly, this was uh, nine years ago. And started doing real estate flips primarily and then got into commodity trading primarily in fresh cut flowers, which most people don't know, Colombia is the number two exporter of fresh cut flowers in the world. So if you go 
to any florist in the United States, for instance, there's a very, very high probability that the flowers come from Colombia. Um, So I started primarily trade flow with contacts that I still had in APAC region, you know, primarily in South Korea, Japan, Hong Kong, a bit in Southern China. And we had a couple clients in Indonesia and in the Philippines. Um, And then basically when I got into that commodity trading, we came into coffee trading, coffee and cacao is what we were looking at. So I came across some real estate groups, some real estate investors that were comfortable with commercial real estate, and they wanted an ag project, right? They wanted something that could compete on yields with commercial real estate, but they wanted it in agriculture. So originally when I was doing the diligence for them, I thought cacao would be interesting, but the gestation period of cacao is about seven years to go from scratch. So I thought it was a little bit long for cash flow. and the national product of Colombia is coffee. So I thought it'd be a very easy kind of concept for investors to wrap their head around, you know, consolidated asset plays, consolidated infrastructure and sell further down the value chain. Did a small project to start, you know, the test project, I would say when we first started in, I started raising capital in 2017, deployed in 2018, was about 5.7 mil US. Um, and since up to this morning, we've deployed about $59 million into the wow. country. So in the last five years. That's right. So, you know, it originally started as an asset management play, but about two years in, we realized, you know, this could be something really special if we take it seriously. Don't treat it like commercial real estate where it's just an asset play where you just hire an operator, yield it out. If we actually make this an enterprise, invest in real, you know, real corporate employees, real management teams, we could be a major player. And after we did that, about two years in, started raising from that time from $6 $6 million to capital raise. We raised another, you know, 50 on top. Um, we become the number one player in the country. Wow. You said a lot there. Um, <laughs> here's what I, here, here's what I love is, you know, this is what people are taught. We, I was just talking to a friend of mine, helping him uh, lay out a book that I think he should write. And uh, we were talking about, he's 71. Um, uh, and I said, you know, you've got to share some of this stuff with the world. But we were talking about uh, what we're taught in school. Work hard, get yes. a job, just like you did, right? Yes. Work and then work to become a partner, do all this stuff. And then the whole time you, you're saving money in these government-controlled vehicles like a 401k. Mm-hmm. And there's yes. penalties and you can't access it. They don't even tell you what they're going to tax you at. The rate they're going to tax you when you get... Uh, <laughs> retirement age. Yes. Right. Yes. And then, um, and, and you're doing it because everybody else is doing it. It doesn't make sense. And Wall Street makes money the whole time while you're accumulating money, distributing money, everything else. Mm-hmm. But where the real money is made is owning your own business and real estate, which if you're in the real, if you're a real estate investor, you own a real estate business, right? Yes. Yes. And, and, and so, I love that you, you know how many times I've heard that, by the way, and I borrowed money, I took money out of my 401k, I surrendered my 401k, and I bet it all, I did this, and started yes. this business. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's great. That's thinking big. It's, it's thinking outside the box. It's breaking away from the herd. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, but you know what you did is, you were helping other companies, you were showing those companies in your capacity. So you knew you knew what you were doing, right? Mm -hmm. But you educated yourself, even as you were working for these other companies, and then did it. So that taking action is what most people never do. Mm -hmm. But um, so I really commend you for that. And that's really cool. I love that part of your story. 
what I'm going to talk about is, okay, I'm not going to put my money in Wall Street. Not, I don't want to be the landlord. I don't want to go find deals. I don't know how to underwrite deals. Um, I don't know how to do due diligence, uh, whatever it is, whatever that, that block is in somebody's head. And sometimes mm -hmm. we have like doctors. I mean, doctors work their butt off. They work way too many hours and they don't have time really to learn about these other things. They have families, et cetera. And, you know, there's a million people out there that will say, well, hey, I do multifamily. And we have some great partners that do multifamily. Um, uh, RV parks are a thing in the United States that is exploding. And there's a huge need for more and more. And there's all these other amenities that you provide at the RV park that make money. Um, you know, I still I still think storage is is a place. I still think mobile home parks, et cetera. All those old mm -hmm. things that seem kind of boring, et cetera. But sometimes it doesn't resonate with somebody. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's just not, you know, get, doesn't get them excited. Or they're looking for other things to invest in as well. But passive investing, you know, talk about the opportunities. Talk about how this is different than you, like, say, a, a real estate fund or something like that. Sure. So, I mean, most of our investors, what I see is usually our investors fall, I would say the sweet spot is usually between three and $30 million net worth. We have some guys that are over a hundred, uh, but really what we see within them, they're starving for alternative investment deals. Everyone wants to get, especially in early stage companies that are not tech. A lot of our guys, uh, they, the only access they get to early stage companies are tech things where it's pure P&L businesses, where it's basically an all or nothing play. And they're basically becoming an artificial VC fund at that point. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of losses, right? And so really the only access that most of our, and most of our guys are U.S., by the way, probably about 90% of our investors are U.S.-based. They only have syndicated real estate deals, right? And commercial real estate deals usually that they get into. You know, if you're only working, and it's not a bad thing, if you're only working with a $10 million equity stack of personal net worth, you know, that, that limits your ability to get into a lot of deals, right? Especially the higher, the higher cash flow deals, the higher net asset deals. So you got to syndicate together to get to something that, you know, is a big, bigger multifamily deal, bigger commercial real estate deal. You know, when I, what I see today is, you know, the higher interest rates, especially on resets and variable loans are just eating away equity turns and it's making, you know, it's making it significantly more risky, especially for pure development projects. So, Guys are diversifying. A lot of our investors are diversifying away and working with us, for instance, for international diversification, and they want to see, you know, high total returns. That's the real reason that guys get into alternative investments. And so what we find is we're a good alternative to uh, real estate deals because usually, you know, when you sell real estate, I agree with you, Jim, completely, is when you run a real estate company, you need to be running a company, not an asset play or you're not going to get the same valuation multiples that you're talking about. You know, what we're doing with the coffee company is we're basically running a pre-IPO company, right? We run as a traditional international corporate. We're headquartered in Delaware, which makes U.S. investors feel very comfortable. And we're going for an IPO play or a corporate sellout play. And, you know, that's mine and my partner's background. My background is M&A. He's a, you know, he's a security, my partner's a securities attorney, he does some of the largest capital raise for some of the biggest companies in the United States. Um, so getting companies on a public board is kind of what we're about, or if we need to do a corporate sellout in a few years, you know, guys want to see big exits and they want to see it, you know, be reasonably likely to be able to occur and they want to see big returns, right? And they like the non 
pure P&L play of the venture capital back like tech companies. You know, they like the collateralized asset play that we have with things like ag because they can touch it, they can feel it, and they understand, you know, how you put debt on top of it and how you make that valuable. So I love I love a couple of things that you said. One, um, I always like to ask everybody, what's your exit strategy? So, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, I love that you are think you already know what your exit strategy is, this avenue or that avenue. What a lot of times people don't understand is if you found some company and you think, okay, some VC is going to come in and give you $50 million or whatever they're going to mm -hmm. give you. Right. And yes. they're doing that to double, double in three to five years or whatever that number, maybe it's faster Definitely. now. That was the number back in the day. But what you don't realize is all these shares that you think you have, their agreement says that they're going to get their money before your shares are Definitely. valued. And you're probably not going to get as much money as you think. <laughs> is, 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 you know, so like people think, well, that's the side of that, that I want to be on. No, no, you don't. You want to mm -hmm. be on the VC side, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying anything bad about them doing that. It's just that people, have you ever seen that? I'm sure you have where people think they're getting millions and millions and millions of dollars Definitely. based on, and then they're like, oh, wait a minute. I got a fraction of that. It's yeah. because your company isn't the asset or the value to the investor at that point. It's the VC is, or whether it's consolidation, what I mean, like, like you have to be realistic. And sometimes people think they're going to hit a home run where you hit a home Definitely. run is being on the side you're on. Right. And when I mean a home run, I'm talking about just not wall street, typical mutual fund, 401k vanilla returns. Definitely. If, if you are, you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to hit that grand slam. What you have to do is hit a lot of doubles and triples instead of just singles and striking out like happens in typical buy and hold. You know, like that's what everybody sold like in their 401k, right? They don't even yes. know what the hell they're investing in. So, <laughs> yes. so, so talk about, and again, we're not guaranteeing, you're not talking, I mean, but like what kind of returns have you seen in the past and you know, the past is not indicative of future performance. I, I mean, we're sure. not securities licensed here. Okay. So we don't have to play by sure. those rules. Thank God. But we're not, I just want everybody to know I'm not, but somebody might be sitting there thinking, well, what would I get on my money? What, what have you seen in the past? Sure. So I'll take, I'll take it through what we see in the market. And I, I would agree with you, Jim, exactly on the VC thing. So, you know, when, especially in places like Latin America, they're even more aggressive you know, where you're going to see where capital is most scarce, whether you're doing deals in Africa, South, Southeast Asia, Latin America, you know, guys come in and just ask things that are, are basically criminal, you know, liquidation preferences and it, like, especially for founders and companies or family companies that aren't familiar with that world, you know, the, all the, whether the, the, you call them the covenants or the, the strange things that they put into equity agreements, they, they basically guarantee that they control the company completely. And you, you're basically all your equity is going to be supported. You're, you're, yep. you're exactly right. That ha I, I, you see that all the time in the market, completely redoing basically control positions of the board and whatnot. And that's very, very common in Latin America. Almost every PE that I see, very few VCs operate here in Latin America anyway, but mostly the private equity funds that come in are pure control plays. They're not going to yeah. be LPs. They're, they're going to completely control no matter, even if they have minority positions, they're going to have like basically take voting positions on a board where they can basically overthrow any decision that they don't like or any management figure that they don't like. So it, it's always pretty aggressive. I would say 
what I see investors get excited about is, you know, you need to be making, especially in the early company space, if you're starting at, at zero, even in a collateralized business like, like coffee, you know, I, I think you need to be making above 30%, 30% annualized returns is what guys want to see. I think in Latin America, what, what, one thing that's interesting is you can buy profit cheaper than you can buy it in the United States. So if I want to go in and buy, buy a company in the U.S., like for instance, we're looking at some roasting, or roasting company acquisitions in the United States. We're looking at Colombia. We're looking at potentially some in Mexico. And valuations in the United States are still elevated honestly, on some of these like sexier businesses. So something that might be a 10 times EBITDA acquisition in the United States might be five times in, in Colombia. At the end, what you're doing in any kind of exit scenario, whether it's a corporate sellout or a uh, pre-IPO company, really what people want to see is profit. You know, I think in today's market, people want to go back to capitalism and say, you need to make money. This isn't WeWork. Right. You can't lose 97 percent. You can't fund a company with shareholder equity and think people are going to fund with equity losses forever. It's just not it's just not happening now. And I don't I, I think you're going to have so many people burned that they want to see companies really make money. Right. So where I, I would say if I didn't underwrite businesses that can make at least 30 percent a year. I, I don't think we'd pull in any alternative investment from high net worth guys. You know, what we shoot for when we're underwriting is above is above 50, right? 50% annualized returns when we include debt stacks. And so, you know, debt stacks here, we can get preferential rates from some of the Colombian banks because we're a preferential sector. So you can get discounts on, you know, on what you call fair market rates. And so since we're in the ESG space and the ag space, both with international banks and with local banks, we get preferential rates. And obviously that's going to increase the yields on the, on the equity stack. So I think on, you know, on pre IPO companies, if you can, if you can underwrite realistic returns at 30 to 50%, you can be successful. And that's where we try to underwrite at. You know, that's what, that's what we, when we set pricing on our equity shares, we want to see a realistic expectations of, of annual IRRs above 30% always. So, you know, for people in the audience that if you think about this and if you put this together in your head, if you put a million dollars in, you get 30 percent. You don't need that money. Most of the people that you're dealing with, you take the one point yes. three, put it back in at 30 percent. Then you then you then you're making 30 percent on the one point three and you you do yes. that. It does not take long for you to accumulate a lot of money. And, That's right. and one of the things that we show people, uh, Cole, not in this podcast, but in one of my companies, Create Tailwind, is we show people how to flow money through a very specific uh, whole life insurance comp uh, contract that it leverages after a few years. In the beginning, mm -hmm. it doesn't, but we use we. It's not as bad as a typical whole life contract. But by year ten, I put in a dollar. I have a dollar fifty to go use. Okay, so. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. and it's just it's just a money pool. It's not an investment. We don't let it sit there or anything else. We use the money. So in yes. something like this, in the beginning, you wouldn't have as much money to put in the first year, but the second year you would be pretty equal, third year equal, and then it starts to leverage. And by the time that you're at uh, year ten, but but all the money flowing through it isn't going to be your money after a few years. It's going to be the the investment profit. And mm -hmm. I show people at 25% cash on cash how stupid it is when I mean stupid, stupid, good yes. um, after a few years. And I think that's the thing that people have to understand. The difference between doing something like this and doing the typical 
uh, just any Wall Street investment where it's like, okay, I'm just buying, I'm holding, I'm just, you know, it's like, this is, this is putting your money in motion and mm-hmm. putting your money in motion is always better than just letting it sit there and compound. So, all right. I, I, I think what you're doing is really cool. Obviously you're really knowledgeable. You've got the background, which that that's key to everything, right? If you don't know how to do something and you, you want to, to have alternatives, find somebody that knows what the heck they're doing. And yes. in, once you know what you're doing, you, you can rinse and repeat. You can do it again. You know how to underwrite it. You know how to find those things. So if I wanted to work with you, Cole, how do I get more information? How do I talk to somebody? Sure. So you can find us online at www.legacy-group.co. Uh, you can follow us on LinkedIn. You know, we'll be the only legacy group operating out of Medellin, Colombia, of course. On our website, you can see our current offering. We're finalizing a $25 million equity raise for the green coffee company right now. I think there's only 500 k left in the race, actually. Um, so feel free to reach out. Uh, and my director of investor relations will reach out to you guys. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Cole. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I think this is uh, totally unique. I don't think I've ever, I know I haven't had anybody do what you do uh, on the show. Mm-hmm. So I'd really encourage people. I always encourage people to educate yourself. I mean, go mm-hmm. and look at the materials and talk to somebody and ask every question that you can ask it, everything and, and decide if it's right for you. Maybe it, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. All right, Cole. So if God came down from heaven and allowed you to only retain the knowledge that you've read in one book, what book would that be? Ah, uh, that's a good one. I would say for on the investment side, which I'm going to fo- I'm going to focus on that. You know, the history of of capitalism, the history of how capitalism moved throughout the years, I think is super important. Uh, so the ascent of money is is the name of the book. It basically goes through the birth of the stock market in Amsterdam all the way to the to the modern day, how it shaped world, how basically capitalist shaped world history as much as political movements or religious movements or anything. Um, so it teach a lot. I, I, I think for expanding knowledge of why capitalism works in a way it does, it's a good framework book. It's an awesome book. Awesome. Okay, we'll we'll put a link to that in the show notes and we'll put a link to Cole and his company in the show notes and Thank you so much, Cole, for being with us today and sharing. And uh, uh, I'd like to have you back on sometime in the future and talk more and get a little deeper into the opportunities and what you're seeing as uh, opportunities in the market. So thank you. All right, we're going to wrap it up like we always do with the great words of Earl Nightingale and The Strangest Secret. Take it away, Earl. Here's the key to success and the key to failure. We become what we think about. Now let me say that again. We become what we think about. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you are looking to discover new wealth building strategies, then go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com to join our free online community and get access to free courses and in-depth training videos designed to help you build wealth and break away from the herd. Click the link in the show notes to access the community today. Thanks again for listening.